I went to walk up where Jesus prayed over Jerusalem and the Garden of Gethsemane, there weren't many tourists at all. I mean, sometimes you can wait hours in line to yeah, go through yeah, some of these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1978, not much at all. Yeah. And then uh, finding a restaurant, there weren't many restaurants at all. I mean, there was one Jerusalem restaurant. Then walk to the old city, here's the old city. You know, you walk to the old city, right? Yes. At that time, they had donkeys and, and dogs and <laughs> in the old city walking yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. Donkey, dog, cattle, you know, <laughs> this is 1978. Pastor Al Nucciaroni is the pastor of the Jerusalem Baptist Church. Al is originally from New Jersey, and he's been the pastor of the Jerusalem Baptist Church since 2007. Now, he's also served as pastor in Austria for 14 years, in Italy for 12 years, and involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in the Middle East. And pastor Al is here in Memphis, Tennessee, on the Bot Radio Network on Mid-South Viewpoint. Al, welcome. Good to see you. I think the last time we were together was... A year or two ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. And we had such a great time. And when I heard that you were in town, I said, we have got to get together. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Our mutual friend, David Sitton, I texted David and said, can Pastor Al come? And he said, absolutely. Shalom, my brother. Shalom. So Shalom, this, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really a time of refreshment for you and Billy as you on furlough. You have about three or four months to travel in the States. Yes. Furlough traveling, but the rest period in between, every weekend busy. Yeah. <laughs> but, except for this week, this Memphis is an active week. Active week. But you know, you've got some dear friends here in Memphis. I mentioned David Sitton, of course, his connection with FCA. I heard that you had an unexpected event that took place while visiting a Sunday morning worship service just recently here in town. At Bellevue. Yeah, at Bellevue. Tell me what happened. Well, we were first at the Harvest Church or Sunday school with Ronnie Stevens. Yeah, his class. His class at nine o'clock. And then Dave likes to move us around. <laughs> he does. <laughs> My <don't>. agent. <laughs> uh, so we moved on to Bellevue, got to hear one or two worship songs. And then Pastor Gaines um, preached from Isaiah 62, talking about Jerusalem, praying for the peace of Jerusalem, the importance of Jerusalem. This is the most important city in the world, the center of the universe. Ezekiel 5 5 is Jerusalem and how we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So I thought it was very significant, very interesting. I was very touched by it and encouraged. And he was going to go on a trip. I think he's going to go next month to Jerusalem for his 10th time. And so at the end, uh, he had an invitation. I looked at Dave. I said, I don't know what we should do. I think maybe the Holy Spirit's going to lead us down there just to tell him I'm here. Not that I'm important. I'm well known, but only by God, you know. <laughs> uh, but I, just to tell him that it was encouraging. And you've got a guy here who serves in Israel. So we went down and I've met Brother Gaines before, and he remembers me. So then uh, Dave told him, and Brother Gaines prayed for me, anointed me with oil, and then he said, this is amazing. He tells the congregation, here I'm talking about Jerusalem. We have the pastor of Jerusalem Baptist Church here. Now, that's significant. <laughs> that's uh, of the Lord, obviously. So uh, would you come up and pray for Memphis and pray for Jerusalem? So I went up there. I was in tears. I mean, I, I couldn't. This is a God thing. I'm here, he's talking about this. I, I need a little encouragement myself, you know, going back there. You know, I'm not afraid to go back, and we love going back there, but to have a confirmation that we're in the heart of God. And so um, he called me up, and I prayed for Memphis, I prayed for Jerusalem. Then he had his elders come up and pray over me. Oh, it's beautiful. So that was cool. That I was. Mean, that was cool. And I, I was uh, bawling, you know. I mean, I'm Italian. We get very emotional. <laughs> I, I gave uh, a big hug to Steve, you know, a big Italian hug, and then— 
Uh, the sound was very touching, and uh, he, he was amazed by it. So it must have really warmed your heart mm -hmm. and hear a message here in America mm -hmm. in support of the land of Israel. Yeah. Why is that so important? Well, it's important because God has uh, chosen Israel, not because they deserved it, to be the nation through whom the Messiah would come. In the Bible, God has a plan for Israel. At the end, before Jesus comes, the Jews will turn to Jesus. They will look on him whom they have pierced, not all, but the remnant. But also God has a plan for the nation because the nation is important to God, not that other nations are important as well, but this is the nation that God has ordained. We think of the Jewish people and we think of God's prophetic plan. In the Bible, it said that they would be dispersed because of rebellion, other reasons around the world, but the Bible also said they would return. So to see now Israel, in a sense, as a nation in fulfillment of prophecy, and this is uh, anticipation of the coming of Jesus. Yes. So that's why it's exciting. And we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Genesis 12 tells us, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. So we pray for them and we bless them. It doesn't mean they deserve the blessing. We don't deserve blessing, but we're to pray for them. And of course, the greatest thing we can share with the Jewish people is the gospel. That's the greatest blessing that we can give them. So we, God has given us opportunity to share with Jews and Gentiles and Arabs together uh, the great message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jerusalem Baptist Church is located on 4 Narcus Street yes. in Jerusalem. I want you to give us some visuals. If I was standing at the front door, what would I see across the street? What would be to my left? What would be to my right? What would be behind the church building? Okay, we have a nice complex in the center of Jerusalem, a Jewish neighborhood, down from Ben Yehuda Street, a walking um, street, you know, not just pedestrian. Now, as you look at the church, now you see a sign that says, this house shall be called the house of prayer from Isaiah in Hebrew and English and Russian, because we have a Russian church there as well as an English. And that's to the right. I'm looking at the church, a nice entrance in. Behind me are apartments, mostly occupied by Jewish people. And left is a little garden. To the right is actually a parking lot and medical center. In the back, we have a garden, a little garden, a little play area for kids. And praise God, during COVID, we were the only church that met in Jerusalem during COVID. Even though they had a lot of restrictions, uh, even checkpoints on the street, police checkpoints. But we had time of worshiping inside and outside. Sometimes they said, well, you can have 20 inside, 10 outside. So we were very flexible. And sometimes we went in the backyard, the back garden, we had a service every Sunday, you know, for around uh, probably two months. And we had amplification. Now we had the pianist inside, Opened the door, had amplification. <laughs> so it was, and the neighbors, it was an open air preaching because the neighbors heard the gospel as we had the service on Sunday. And that's a working day. Any feedback from the neighbors? Uh, no, yeah, they, they enjoyed, they, we weren't too loud. Sometimes they hear us anyway, even when we're inside because we keep the doors open. So they're used to it, but it was great because if people were passing by, I'd, I'd be preaching and then I kind of changed the message a little bit to direct the gospel to them. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, you have attending your church fellowship, those who are American, Canadian, German, Dutch, British, Italian, French, Finnish, African, and probably more I haven't even mentioned. So yeah. what's it like pastoring such a diverse congregation? Well, it's kind of fun. I've had three in Italy. We had an international plus an Italian church. And then I pastored an international church in Vienna, Austria with uh, Africans, Filipinos, and 
Americans, Brits, and this one to international. Plus, we have Jews, Jewish believers, and Arab believers. I heard, Al, that you inherited a library of 600 volumes of Jewish history, Bible theology from a congregant who passed away. And yes. This really has to be a special gift, especially for a pastor. Yes, it is. Well, <laughs> in light of the fact that when we moved out of Austria, I couldn't ship books. It was too expensive. So I left around 1,200 books in Austria, in Vienna. I took 300 home to uh, New Jersey. We moved to Israel. I, I came with uh, 30 books. So your library was really diminished. <laughs> yeah, so this lady had left some. Yeah, we keep it in the uh, church office. Your first visit to Israel was in 1978. What are some of the more noticeable changes from your perspective, having lived in Israel now, compared to that first visit? Well, the first visit on a tour. Now, it wasn't necessarily an organized tour. We stayed in an apartment and we did day tours. And I thought it was very primitive. Bus drivers went around in shorts, you know, not many tourists there. I went to walk up where Jesus prayed over Jerusalem and the Garden of Gethsemane. There weren't many tourists at all. I mean, sometimes you can wait hours in line to <laughs> yeah, go through yeah, some of these. Yeah, <laughs> 1978, not much at all. Yeah. And then uh, finding a restaurant, there weren't many restaurants at all. I mean, there was one Jerusalem restaurant. Then walking to the old city, here's the old city. You know, you walk to the old city, right? Yes. At that time, they had donkeys and and dogs and in the old city walking through. Yeah. Donkeys, dog, cattle, you know. Yeah. This is 1978. Now, none are permitted now. Yes. So it's a little more uh, tourist-oriented. Of course, in 2018, the embassy was moved. Yeah. 2018, we had the embassy moved from Tel Aviv. That was a big thing. Now, they used uh, the old consulate. So they're trying to build a new one right near my house, in fact, right next door, which might be started in 2030. <laughs> so that could be the new American embassy. In 1982, the church was burnt down. Right. Another arson attempt occurred shortly after that. How does not being welcomed in the community by maybe a select group of people impact your faith in Christ? Well, you know, as Christians, Jesus said it, you're called to believe, you're also called to suffer for Jesus. And woe to you if all men speak highly of you. So uh, we are a minority and there are people against us. I wouldn't say the majority of Jewish people, but there's Orthodox groups and there are probably some Muslims who don't like uh, Christianity. So we, we did experience this kind of persecution with the burning of the building, with the Molotov cocktail in 2007. It was 2007, yes. And then they graffitied us in 2012, death to Christians, Jesus, the son of a prostitute. But we got a lot of sympathy from the Jewish people, but uh, there are those there who don't appreciate us being there. I don't know. I can't say who it was, but unfriendly people. I just yes. leave it at that. Sure. Al, what are some things that you learned early on in your ministry that has helped to sustain you, prepare you, and encourage you most while you live in Israel today and do the ministry? From the time Israel or from before? Well, We've overseas 42 well, no, years. I realize that, but I'm talking about early in your ministry, something that helped you to where you are today in the ministry. Did well, you? what keeps us going, 40 years, a lot of praying. You, know, you have to keep your devotional life going, freshness in your life, and have vision, and realize you're there for a purpose to reach people with, with the gospel. 
That's the most important thing. And that keeps me going because uh, God, the Holy Spirit in us, you know, not me, God, the Holy Spirit reaching out to people. So it's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit in us that keeps us going. I'm confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So he's always perfect and working in and through us, reaching out through us. So it, leaving it up to the Lord, that, that keeps me going, energized by the Holy Spirit. And that uh, I wish I could, could have spent more time on my knees. You know, that's a regret I have. Because I think in prayer, that, that releases the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think even going back, um, you know, we'll go back in a month. I, I've got to, we've got to find more ways to get beyond our knees before the Lord. You know, I think that reflects a lot on the earthly ministry of Christ because he spent a lot of time in prayer, right? Right, right. Away from, get away in solitary, <laughs> you know, before he chose his disciples, you know, Garden of Gethsemane. He was always uh, in prayer. We're so easily provoked by hitting a button to turn the TV on or yeah. the radio on or some kind of noise around us. And the Father's waiting for us to have that communion. Right, right. He speaks to us in prayer. I mean, we're open. We wait upon the Lord. He gives us power. And he motivates. He moves us out. You know, uh, the early church, Acts chapter 13, Church of Antioch, what were they doing? They were in prayer and worshiping God. Then the Holy Spirit said, send out Paul and Barnabas. For the work, so we have to come together in prayer and worship. And we're, listen, Jerusalem is a city of worship and prayer, and it's amazing the many believing churches, groups, messianic assemblies, the emphasis on prayer and uh, the focus and celebration. I mean, it's happy, and then as God, you know, energizes us, and then it's the compulsion, it's the love of Christ constrains us to bring the message to people. Yes. But first prayer, you know, first priority, God, right? Worship and then with the body and then reaching out. I guess when we really humble ourselves before the Father that way. Yes. Then we can connect and, and then and we see that what his purpose is, which is loving the world through the gospel. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I read an article in the Jerusalem Post last year. They did a story about the first Christian Polish-Ukrainian youth sports camp was held back in 2012. That camp was directed by you. Okay, let me correct it. It was the first, um, 2012 was the first Christian camp, Polish sport camp in the world. Right. Now, last year, 2022. Right. Well, the article was written in 2022, but they were referring back to that time in 2012. That's what I was referring uh, to. Okay. That's when it first took yeah, place. Yeah, we had a poll if, and then, but we had the first combined Polish-Ukrainian one last year. The first Christian Polish sport camp was 2012. Okay, now, okay, so how did that develop? Well, uh, when I was living in Vienna, we used to take many mission trips to Poland, help out some local churches in outreach right near Auschwitz. You know, the churches were all in that area near Krakow and Auschwitz. And uh, we developed a great relationship with the churches. And these are, one is the largest evangelical church in Poland, Marian Pavlos. And then uh, another pastor, Janik Trishankowski. Uh, so every time we'd go up there, there were two things I'd like to do up there in Poland, encourage pastors, you know, take them out to eat, and then preach the gospel, you know, open air. So they allowed us to do that. And had, we did sketchboard evangelism now and other things. And then when we moved, it was kind of, I did that for um, almost like uh, 12 years in Poland, in uh, Poland and Vienna. Then we moved to Israel, and I'm very sad. I said, I'll never see my Polish friends again. I mean, from Vienna to Poland, that's a short <laughs> you know, drive of maybe five hours. 
but now I got to fly. But it was amazing because uh, it didn't stop because, you know, now you can fly cheaply. Wizz Air from Tel Aviv to Poland, you get a flight one way, like a hundred bucks. Really? It's very cheap. <laughs> but we developed a relationship where they come, the Polish pastors have come, stayed in my house, and I host Polish group, take them out of Israel. And then Madian said, why don't you do a sport camp? So in 2012, we had, they, I've done camps, English camp, but never a sport camp. So this, in 2012, was the first English-speaking, you know, it's like an English camp anyway, but uh, the first Christian sport camp in Poland. Okay. That was 2012. So we had it, we have it every other year. Uh, we get around 75 kids, around 30 professions of faith every year. I get, I bring a team from Israel. Uh, we have open air meetings too. We have activities. This church is set up. They have big field. They have basketball court. They have a soccer field. They have volleyball. And it's a wonderful experience. One of the best experiences we've had. Of course, we got, um, blacked out, bombed out, or whatever you want to call it. it canceled in 2020, you know. I tried to get there, but uh, COVID prevented us. So then in 2022, since all the Ukrainians, I mean, Poland was holding, has around 1 million Ukrainian refugees. Right. And this church had refugees there. The other church was housing 10, 10 families, you know. So there were all these Ukrainians. And then I, we went there last year. I, I speak in some churches. There was one church. I had to speak in English, translated to Polish, and then to Russian because <laughs> there's so many people. And then we had the camp. And actually, it wasn't just refugees. They had a group from Kiev come, 35 kids, to the camp, joining around 20 kids from Poland. And, uh, you know, we were the older folks. I like the water boy, you know, <laughs> sitting around. But they have some of the younger Polish guys, 20, doing the training, the yeah, coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the kids. They had a lot of fun. So we had around 60 kids. It was, it was tremendous. Well, it sounds tremendous. Exciting what it, God it is. is doing. Yeah. I love to hear this. I love to hear how the Lord works and how he arranges these things, you know? I mean, you say we can prepare and plan and see these 30 lives, these children, these young people oh, yeah. you know, come to Christ. Amazing. They were so happy in sport activities and Bible studies. We have gospel meetings, and they um, they were so much fun. You yeah. know, they appreciated us, you know. We haven't had a girl. I think she could be in the Olympics, a gymnast from Ukraine. She did flips and, you know, then they had a big water. It, it was amazing. I bet it was. Yeah. Well, this month, two of the holiest Jewish holidays are celebrated, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Talk a little about the tradition of these two holidays, their origination, and what the celebration looks like in Israel today. Well, you know, Yom Kippur, day of somber reflection, day of atonement, where the in the old days, the priest would bring the lamb, sacrifice the lamb, to atone. Uh, atone means cover up, forgive the sins of the people for the previous year. So it's a time of reflection and humbleness before God. Now, in Israel, you know, we don't celebrate it here so much as Jews do, uh, but the nation celebrates and they close everything down. There's no no cars on the road, nothing. Now, so um, nobody, I think some people, most people fast. Most most people do fast. So that's only one day. And then Rosh Hashanah is a new year. So uh, the new year, Rosh, the first day in the Shana year. So it, it's like we celebrate New Year's, but it's their religious, it's their uh, Hebrew calendar. Right, right. And that's, um, you celebrate, you eat, you know, have a good time. Then they have Feast of Tabernacles right after that. That's a big feast too. 
and that's where they put tents up in their home. It's uh, outside in the patio, wherever tents to remind them of the shelters that God provided in the wilderness. And of course, Jesus is our shelter. I mean, yes. it's all symbolic, yes. points to Jesus as our shelter. In what ways does the Jerusalem Baptist Church participate or connect in any way to these Jewish holidays? Uh, well, we, we mentioned them, a lady in our church who actually edits my books, uh, Petra van der Zahn, and she wrote, wrote a book on uh, the feasts, you know, an explanation of all the feasts. So we, they're really involved. And, and we, we mentioned them. We pray. And, uh, of course, some of the believers even put up the tent, put up the shelters, and, and invite people over for a little party and eating. And they like to eat, I think, um, honey, you know, honey and apples. Okay. That's, that's Rosh Hashanah. That's Rosh Hashanah, honey and apples. And then— um, then during the Feast of Tabernacles, they just eat regularly, but they eat a lot, and they meet outside. They'll even sleep in those tents, you know, sometimes. But they, they spend a lot of their meals outside in these tents. Yeah, but you don't sleep in a tent, though. No. Your tent sleeping days are over with, right? <laughs> I did it a few times as a Boy Scout, yes. <laughs> Al, the time on this program is coming close to an end. Um, I don't know if you have time to do a second program with me, but I'd love to continue this conversation if you have time to. Would you be able to do that? Why not? Why not? Well, I'll tell you, one of the things we're going to do as we wrap up this program, I want to talk about just briefly this book that you handed me, Holy Land Encounter, History, Devotion, Prophecy. This is your most recent book you've yes. written. Now, this is number, which book? I'm going to hold it up to the camera here. This number five. This is number five. Okay. And you told me this is really a guide if you want to go to Israel. Of course, yeah. You need to get a copy of this book first. Yes. You can get a guide. It uh, has uh, three parts, the preparation, how you prepare your heart, involvement of the Holy Spirit, the fear of God, all the things that you know, we're not just preparing you, you know, bring your passport, bring enough money, you know, get your shots. No, get, uh, you want to be prepared spiritually before. I don't think that's something people think about. Give us a couple well, of highlights. Well, in, in the book, um, I'm big on the, the fear of God. God called people who believed in him God-fearers, and we should go with that fear of God in our lives, that we want to obey the Lord. And, of course, we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. So that I talk about the Holy Spirit being filled with the Spirit of God and then um, being filled with God's love because we have to go there with a heart of love for the people. So that's the preparation. Now, the main part is the—I call it the panorama of the greats. You know, first preparation, then panorama of the greats. Great what? Well, great events. So it goes through the history. What are the great events? And learning three things. What could we be taught? Number one, how can we? Number two, what's the aspects of devotion or passionate praying points? And three, prophetic points of uh, preaching. How, yes. how can we communicate this? So every event has that. That's the, the events. And then I go through people, the important people, a chronological study of all the important people of the Bible, starting, of course, with Adam and uh, and Noah and things like, the important ones. Yes. Not, not Methuselah, but, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the important ones. What do we learn from them or the life of Joseph? What are the teaching points for Joseph? What are the praying points? What are the preaching points from the life of Joseph? And then the last part is the great places, okay? So the, all the great that you've been to, you've traveled yes. to, yes. and some other places that you want to go to. Yes, but you don't have time to go to, so you go on the second trip. <laughs> With every place, there's also a teaching lesson, and then there's, well, how do you pray for this? Like, what are the praying points? And then, how can you preach this? And then at the end, my addendum, then you add everything that's extra, then I give you uh, some 
Bible doctrine, you know, get firm in the faith, Bible doctrine, and then it's kind of a chronology of the life of Jesus. And then Sister Petra, who edited most of my books, she gives a thing on the biblical feast that's at the end. Okay. And then the uh, history of Israel, the, all the battles, the, you know, the modern history of Israel, the, the, <laughs> it, it, the Israeli defense force, the Mossad, Israel as a startup nation, entrepreneurship. Then what does it mean to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? That's all in there. This book is packed, Al. Uh, packed, it's packed. <laughs> How long did it take you to write this book? Well, I, I write a book every two years. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I had a little writing, what a cramp, what a writing um, block. Yeah, writing block. Yeah. For, but I uh, basically, you get the, the idea, then you put outline. Yeah. So I had all the outline, and yeah. then now now it comes, I got to start writing. <laughs> so you, you just sort of force yourself, you know, maybe one or two pages a day, yeah. <laughs> and then you write. And then, of course, it's a process, editing and back and forth. She adds the Aristotle said, a man thinks in pictures. You know, so there's a lot of pictures in there, yes, a I lot love of uh, illustrations. And I love pictures and I love illustrations. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pastor Al Nucciaroni, we thank you so much for- Thank you. We're going to pick up this conversation on our next program. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, maybe send you an email or ask you a question, yeah, right. how could they do that? Well, my basic email is uh, Nuccio, N-U-C-C-I-A-R-O. That's part of my name. Yes. At AOL.com. Okay. That tells you how old I am. AOL, you know. <laughs> uh, we have another Gmail, A Nutrironi1979 at gmail.com. But yeah. I think the Nutro is uh, it's a little simpler. Get the email to you. Yeah. And so so they could that that's the best way. You can write me. If you want to call me, write me first, and I'll give you my WhatsApp number. There you go. Because I want to make it cheap for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> WhatsApp is Wi-Fi, just cheap phone call. Well, we're going to continue the conversation next time, friends, here on Mid-South Viewpoint on the Bot Radio Network. Again, our guest is Pastor Al Nucciaroni from the land of Israel, Jerusalem, where he pastors. We're going to pick up that conversation next time with Pastor Al. Thanks for joining us. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 